United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good morning. This is the Fire Commission regular meeting, August 9th, 2023, and the time is 9.01. This meeting is being held in person. Members of the public may attend the meeting to observe and provide public comment at the physical meeting location or by calling 1-415-655-0001 and using meeting ID 2664-531-2768. And the webinar password is 1234. Please ensure you are in a quiet location, speak clearly, and turn off background sounds. Wait for the item you would like to address to be called. When prompted, press star 3 to be added to the queue. The system will notify you when you are in line. Callers will hear silence when waiting for your turn to speak. Operator will unmute you. When prompted, callers will have the standard three minutes to provide pub public comment. You may also watch live at, at www.sfgovtv.org. Item one, roll call. President Stephen Nakajo. Present. Vice President Army Morgan. Present. Commissioner Catherine Feinstein has been excused. Commissioner Marcy Frazier. Present. Commissioner Paula Collins. Present. And Chief of Department Janine Nicholson. Present. President Nakajo will now read the land acknowledgement. Thank you very much and good morning. Thank you, Madam Secretary. The San Francisco Fire Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestry homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, in accordance with their tradition, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceased, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all people who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community, and by reaffirming their sovereign rights as First People. Madam Secretary. Thank you. Item two. General public comment. Members of the public may address the commission for up to three minutes on any matter within the commission's jurisdiction that does not appear on the agenda. Speakers shall address their remarks to the commission as a whole and not to individual commissioners or department personnel. Commissioners are not to enter into debate or discussion with the speaker. The lack of a response by the commissioners or department personnel does not necessarily constitute agreement with or support of statements made during public comment. Madam Secretary, is there any member of the public that wishes to give public comment at this time? There is nobody approaching the podium and nobody on our public comment line. Thank you very much. Public comment is closed. Item three, approval of the minutes. Discussion and possible action to approve the meeting minutes of July 26, 2023. Is there any public comment on this item, Madam Secretary? There is nobody approaching the podium and nobody on the public comment line. Public comment is closed. Is there any questions or discussions from the commissioners? I'm going to need a motion, colleagues, on this. So move. Uh, 
I'm second. That was moved by Commissioner Collins and seconded by Commissioner Frazier. President Ocasio, how do you vote? I vote aye. And Vice President Morgan, how do you vote? I vote aye. The motion is unanimous. Item four, Chief of Department's report. Report from Chief of Department Janine Nicholson on current issues, activities, and events within the department since the Fire Commission meeting on July 26, 2023, including budget, academy, special events, communications, and outreach to other government agencies and the public, and report from operations, Deputy Chief Darius Lethrop, on overall field operations, including greater alarm fires, bureau fire prevention and investigation, training within the department and airport division, and report from EMS and community paramedicine, Deputy Chief Sandra Tong, on the EMS and community paramedicine divisions. Thank you very much, Madam Secretary. Good morning, Chief Nicholson. Good morning, President Nicasio, Vice President Morgan, Commissioner Frazier, Commissioner Collins, uh, Sister Maureen, and command staff. I'm your Fire Chief Janine Nicholson, and this is my report since our last uh, commission meeting. So you may or may not notice that um, a lot of City Hall is on vacation, uh, so that allows uh, for us to um, really get down to work and get a lot of things done. And so um, there's a lot of work going on at at headquarters right now. Um, <clears throat> but I'll just tell you a little bit about what has happened in my world the last couple of weeks. Uh, Chief, um, Assistant Deputy Chief Buford and I met with um, uh, the Healing Village Collaborative, which is um, uh, leaders in the black community in San Francisco addressing the fentanyl crisis. Uh, so we had a good meeting with them and I have been in touch with um, the woman who ran that, Felicia Jones, and um, trying to get a meeting set up so they can uh, hear more about what our community paramedic uh, teams do. Um, I thought it was a good meeting, um, and uh, thank you, Chief Buford, for attending with me. We had uh, Firefighter Appreciation Night at uh, the Giants game uh, last Monday, and um, we had one of our very own, Cat Boston, uh, sing the national anthem. She did a great job. And uh, we had uh, another firefighter recognized uh, for his <clears throat> heroics uh, in the um, water rescue that happened uh, last month. And there were uh, multiple other departments there as well. Uh, and Santa Cruz uh, Fire Department was there, and they honored a member who uh, died of cancer uh, this past year, but we didn't win. <clears throat> um, anyways, uh, APEC. APEC is still, uh, it, it is a very big deal. Um, the Asian Pacific Economic, uh, it's not conference, but um, anyways, that is coming in November with over 40 heads of state. Both our president and vice president will be here. Um, Chief Artiseros Brown, uh, Chief Tong, and others have been uh, working very hard on, uh, on our part in terms of what we need to do, and there's a lot. There's a whole lot. Um, we've been meeting with other departments um, and plenty of other law enforcement, including Secret Service 
and uh, it's going to be it's going to have a large impact on the city physically because they're going to close down some parts of the city for security purposes. Um, but it is also uh, it's a big lift for for everybody. So everybody's doing their best, and I I thank them all and everyone who's on a, on a committee. There's a tons of committee ton of committees. So everyone who's on an APEC committee as well um, from our department, uh, it's much appreciated. <clears throat> on Friday, um, Chief Luttrup and uh, Fire Marshal Coughlin and I met with the MTA over at uh, Manny's in the mission. Manny pulled together a little uh, bread-breaking scenario for us. And uh, it, I thought it was a positive meeting. And um, we're finally getting some of what we need to get uh, uh, from them uh, in terms of, um, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it, how it works out. But uh, getting in way ahead of everybody else uh, when some street change is going to happen. Um, so, and uh, we were able to see uh, some maps and just have a good conversation. And uh, so I look forward to, um, <clears throat> you know, improving that um, sort of communication flow. And then really uh, a big one uh, you may or may not have seen on Monday, uh, Chief Luttrup and I were at um, the California PUC testifying about autonomous vehicles. And Cruz and Waymo were there. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to say that Chief Luttrup did a great job. And it was a mic drop ending for him, uh, for us, um, in terms of what he spoke about. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, you know, we've all seen it. It's just frustrating. And, and, and uh, when, when uh, Cruz and Waymo are up there being you know, disingenuous about what's happening. And um, so we, we said our piece. We have been um, doing what we can uh, to tell our story and how these vehicles impact us. And um, what Chief Luttrup talked about at the end after they talked about how great their safety records are is uh, an incident that happened this past weekend where uh, we had a crew fighting a car fire. I believe it was out by the Legion of Honor, and a, uh, an autonomous vehicle went around the engine and stopped right in between the car fire and the engine. And, uh, you know, how would you feel if you were a, <laughs> a passenger in that? He said it much more eloquently, and, uh, um, but there was an audible gasp in the, in the room at the time. So anyways, uh, you know, they keep saying everything's great, and we just keep pointing to some of the challenges. And, um, you know, there's a, a good piece that just came out on um, NBC News about one of their vehicles just stopping traffic on 19th Avenue recently as well. So we will continue to tell our story. There is, however, a vote, I believe, tomorrow. And we will see uh, what way it goes. And. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure of what way it will go, but but we this is why they have the votes. We have the the voting. We have to see. Um, last night, you may have seen uh, we uh, had a third alarm out on Eighth Avenue and Irving, and it was a very challenging setup out there, uh, especially in the back of the building where several buildings came together. Um, 
and the construction was, was tough and there was a lot of hard work and a lot of looking for fire in the walls and um, our folks did a, did a great job, uh, no injuries um, and uh, you know, no loss of life obviously and uh, just really, really hard work and uh, great coordination. And again, I'm super proud of, of the folks out in the field doing the hard work. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, I will be heading to the Drug Market Agency Coordination Center meeting uh, in about an hour uh, with the mayor. So um, it's right around the corner on Market Street. On 1155 Market is where the Coordination Center is. And I can say that there is a lot, a lot of work going on in the city uh, to address um, the opioid crisis, as well as um, uh, a lot of the uh, criminal uh, aspects of it. And so there's a huge law enforcement presence from uh, local, state, and federal right now. And um, they're, turning the, they're turning the screws to, to some folks. And, um, you know, the, the word is on the, on the wire out there that uh, for folks that are, that are selling uh, is that the, the TL is too hot right now. So obviously this could be that they're just going to displace people elsewhere, but um, if they keep their foot on the gas pedal, which um, uh, they are going to do, um, you know, hopefully we can see some, some, significant, uh, some significant change out there. Um, uh, because it's, it's been, accountability has been the one piece that, that we've been uh, missing a little bit. And uh, so now we're, we're starting to see the impact of that. So, and then uh, this Saturday is the uh, Filipino Pistahan uh, Parade Celebration. I will not be in attendance. This is the first parade I'm, I'm gonna miss, but uh, I hope to see uh, that, that many of you are able to attend. And that uh, concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chief Nicholson. Madam Secretary, is there any public comment on the Chief's report? There's nobody approaching the podium and nobody on our public call in line. All right. Co public comments closed on CD1's report. Is there any questions or comments from the commissioners to the Chief at this point? Vice President Morgan? Yeah, I'll, I'll be real quick. Morning, Chief. Morning. Thanks for your report. I, was, I read in one of these uh, reports that uh, you guys are having collaborative uh, meetings with crews and and the other uh, autonomous vehicle. What's the other? Wayo or whatever they're called? Waymo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or, or they stated. I'll let uh, Chief Lettrup speak about uh, that. And and what I can say is, uh -huh. yeah, we're having a few more meetings now that the press has been active and actually we've gotten them. Yeah, I was kind to of come meet with us, but Chief Lettrup. Hi, good morning. President Kajo, Vice President Morgan, Commissioner Frazier Collins, Chief Nicholson, Marine, and Command Staff. I'm Deputy Chief Darius Lettrup. So what we've had in the past um, week or two weeks is the meeting that the Chief has been asking for for the past few months. We've asked for technologists and policy makers um, from both companies to meet with us in a room. Um, in a, in a structured meeting um, with SFMTA in attendance, we, we selected small groups of incidents and we were actually able to get in a room and see it from the car's perspective because all we had was reports from our field staff. 
And so we could kind of compare their understanding of what was going on with their vehicles and our understanding of what was going on with the vehicles. And it was highly illuminating, I hope, on both sides. Um, and we could see the difference and the, the cultural gap that existed between us. Um, and from the meeting on Monday and speaking to some of the people post-meeting, I, I, I hope that these will continue. I think they're going to learn as much from us as, as we learn from them. And if it makes our operations safer for the city of San Francisco, that's always been the chief's intent. So that's the meetings. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that's a step in the right direction for you guys to compare notes and, you know, get this thing under control. And uh, so I think that's a positive effort. And thank God, you know, they're reaching out to you guys finally, and, and maybe you guys can make some headway with it. I know we can't avoid the future, but, you know, we can uh, reel them in a little better, you know like you guys are doing, and, you know, it's a definite concern, especially if they're interrupting emergency situations uh, like, uh, you know, uh, you guys have noted in the past. And, and I know they're going to take a lot of jobs away. That's what I don't like about them. You know? <laughs> That's just my personal opinion, you know. You know so, but uh, I know we can't avoid the future, uh, you know, to some you know, extent, but... Um, yeah, I think the collaborative meetings will, will help greatly. And, uh, yeah, that, I was just curious about that. Thank you, Chief Electro. Yeah. And and the other thing, uh, we've had, uh, like, the last month or two, some three big fires. Uh, what did, uh, did we get anywhere with the investigation of how they started or, you know, or all of them are up? Still under investigation. I believe they're all still actively under investigation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so there's no rumors of arson. No, we don't want to. We don't want to speculate okay. and and have it be uh, incorrect. And uh, no, we don't want to. Uh, okay. Entertain any rumors either. So uh, our our um, fire investigators are are doing their due diligence, and they were at the fire last night. I saw them there as well last night. So. Okay. Yeah, you guys, you've been busy. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. All right. That's all I got. Thank you, Chief. Thank you very much, Vice President uh, Morgan, Commissioner Fraser, then Commissioner Collins. Thanks for your report, Chief. <clears throat> um, thank you very much. I want to say I'm, first of all, I'm really happy that nobody got hurt last night. It was a big fire. This thing is, there we go. Um, I'm just really relieved that nobody got hurt last night in the big fire and all the other fires. Um, I guess what I want to say is perhaps a point of personal privilege about autonomous vehicles. And that is uh, last night I was driving across town to attend uh, the death of a friend. And it was late. And coming back to my house, which I was uh, coming mostly across town from the middle of the city to the east side of town where I live, and I was shocked at the number of, of autonomous vehicles I saw. This is like 11.30-ish, 12 o'clock. Uh, there were so many, Cruz, Waymo, Zooks, and all the rest of them. And it, may, it occurred to me how they're compiling their safety data if they're skewing towards driving around the city at night when there's very few people on the street and very few cars. And I think that's a, a question I would like to ask them. If they're collecting and skewing their data towards that, 
they're going to be fine out there because there's just nobody around. Although I did see a couple of problems uh, crossing intersections and being confused with people uh, kind of flailing around the streets and so forth. But I, I, it makes me question their data in that regard. If I may, uh, Commissioner, yes. They do uh, have, I think, over twice as many vehicles out at night as during the day. So, and yes, that would certainly skew their data. So the data looks good if that's how you're compiling it. Um, looks better, I would say. Um, I myself have written to the PUC a couple of times. There's a form on their website. It's easy to do and just encourage everybody, anybody listening and all of us to take advantage of that. It's very easy to do that. Um, and I just want to say, too, thank you to all the people in our fire department who responded to the fires on my block of late and knocked them out very quickly. Uh, the whole neighborhood was so appreciative, felt cared for. Everyone was super professional, of course. But just the f I felt very proud to be a small part of this, you know, how that happened. And then the point of personal privilege I want to make is the difficult situation with that house, because it was two fires in the same home, um, is emblematic of so much of what's wrong right now and what's not working. And uh, so many departments telling, not just me, but various people in my block, there's nothing we can do. And to me, that's unacceptable. And I'm not saying any, the fire department did everything they can do, but there's a reliance on other departments and it's harmful to all of us and all of our departments if we're not able to do anything in a situation that's dangerous, neglectful, uh, abusive almost. And I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail, but we can talk about all of this later. I do want to say the fire department's been super responsive, and um, I'm grateful for that much. Again, if uh, I can just say, for, for clarification, for those of you that are unaware, it's, um, there have been some mental health challenges with the neighbor that lives in that building, um, thus, yes, creating fires, et cetera. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad that uh, you were happy with, uh, with uh, all of us that, that responded there, so thank you. That's all, thank you, Chief, and thank you all. Thank you very much, uh, Commissioner Frazier. Commissioner Collins. Chief, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Chief Lathrop, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to expand a little more in the comment you made about the cultural gap uh, between our view of the danger posed by autonomous vehicles and the autonomous vehicle companies? Yeah, thank you for the question. So, I mean, I think it, it would take a little bit more time than maybe we want to do here, but uh, I think it, at its basic, it was a misunderstanding of our operational needs. Um, the fact that they didn't know uh, the distance that would be required for us to do work, so their vehicles would pull far too close to our vehicles. Um, the, a misunderstanding of our technological ability to communicate with cars. They didn't even know that we wouldn't be able to get our cell phone out and take a picture of the QR code on the side of their vehicle to call their customer service rep to make the change that we need, right? If they'd asked somewhere early in the process, we would have been happy to 
kind of cue them in on what basic fire operations look like in the city of San Francisco. Um, and I think we might be in that place now. Obviously, they have an entrenched set of policies and procedures um, that we're going to have to work at unraveling with them. They seem amenable to it at this point. Um, but, you know, as a small, for instance, I don't think they understood the danger of driving over an uncharged fire hose, which we understand very well in this agency. Um, and again, it, just being in the room and talking about it, if they affect the changes that we need for them to affect, I think we're bridging that. Um, yeah. And where in the corporate hierarchy are the people that you're meeting with? So in the last week, we're at the level of development heads, vice presidents of policy, at the level that we would like to speak and, and see change made, the, the, at the same level as the folks who presented at the CPUC meeting. Um, and prior to that, it's, it's no disrespect to the people we were seeing, but they employ people specifically as public safety outreach professionals, and that's who they wanted us to speak to. And their main goal was to train us how to interact with their vehicles. And as the chief and I said at the meeting, we need their vehicles to learn how to interact with us. Um, it, the onus can't be on the firefighter in the street at the third alarm fire on 8th Avenue to figure out you know, what dance I have to do to make the vehicle stop or no longer be a hindrance in this fire scene. Um, so, Do you feel it would be um, worthwhile or helpful to deal with the CEO of Cruz or Waymo? Uh, you know, I... I'm a chief of operations for my executive officer, my chief. Um, so I'm dealing with people I believe are kind of at that level as a chief of operations for, as particularly for the San Francisco operations. Um, and I think, I think their CEO perhaps understands the, the value of their meeting with us because they are very earnest currently in, uh, in their meetings with us. Um, and we'll see if it redounds to any changes in their street behavior. Well, the CEO has, I, I asked that question because the CEO has made public statements about blanketing San Francisco, as you know, yep. with more of these vehicles. So it would seem we have their attention at this moment. The PUC vote is, is imminent. I'm just asking you know, whether kicking it up a notch intensifies the heat. Um, but what I hear you saying is you think you are dealing with the right people. I think, I think kicking it up a notch would intensify the heat, and I'm sure there are people better suited to sit with the CEO of Cruz and Waymo. Um, as perhaps people in a legislative function or people who are in, you know, office in the city or, or my chief, yeah. It's a lot of money at stake, mm -hmm. which is what's driving it. So, um, oh yes, you. a ton of money, yeah. and uh, and you know, a ton of money has been has been uh, paid out to all sorts of organizations and people, and we understand that. Um, again, we're not trying to uh, stop uh, you know technology, nor would we ever be able to. Um, but to Chief Lettrip's point, initially they they did not want any information from us. They wanted, they basically told us 
yeah, this is how you, uh, you know, cut apart one of our cars. This is how you do X, Y, and Z. And um, so it was uh, a lot of things could have been avoided. As I stated at the meeting the other day, a lot of this could have been avoided had they come to us sooner, much sooner. Um, well, from a business perspective, the main thing that autonomous vehicles must prove to the public is safety. And what entity is more steeped in safety than the fire department? So I applaud you for using the fire department's platform of safety to get the attention of those who will make money and get more business by proving that they are safe. That's where I'm headed with this. So, um, but I, I don't want to go off on a tangent if you tell me. And we can we can certainly speak offline about this as yeah. well. Okay, um, happy Great. to sit down with you and Thank uh, you. yeah. Commissioner Collins, thank you very much, Commissioner Vice President Morgan. At this point, all right. So, can we then conclude this report and have CD two uh, report from Operation Deputy Chief uh, Darius Lovedrop present, please? Hi. Good morning again, Commissioners. Deputy Chief Darius Lovedrop. Um, I'm going to switch it up a little bit today and. I brought some pictures this time, so we're going to do, uh, uh, if I could have uh, SFGov go to the laptop, thank you. So this will be the operations report for July of 2023. Uh, you have the statistics in front of you. Not a dramatic increase, but a slight increase in July. Um, building alarms were up by 85. Um, total boxes was up a decent amount, 12, so about a 33% in full boxes, but in total boxes, again, just a minor increase. Working fires went up slightly, and there was one greater alarm in July. Um, I, I kind of presented at the last meeting that I thought maybe water rescue and cliff rescue calls would increase significantly, and they have not in this month, perhaps next month. So next slide. So I did want to highlight some um, different operations um, because I wasn't guaranteed a greater alarm this month. So to shape this report, I was going to talk about a, a specific function of the San Francisco Fire Department. and. It kind of comes out of this fire, box uh, 0928, which is Pier 28, that occurred on the 25th. It came in as a uh, small outside fire. When the companies arrived on scene, they discovered that what was presenting above the visible exterior area of this, uh, this pier was actually just the product of a decently established fire on the underside of the pier. Um, so they struck a box and they, they upgraded the incident the rest of the companies responding, they, they applied water in um, ways that we were all taught um, but are rarely used. They went to what's called a circulator. I don't know if you've ever heard of a circulator before, but it's a used to fight basement fires predominantly. Um, so it's, it's a device at the end of a hose. It puts out a tremendous amount of water. It's like a very, very, very large sprinkler. And they were able to make good progress on the fire while they were waiting for the fire boat to respond. Um, the pictures kind of highlight some of the powers that the fireboat brings to a fire like this that we don't normally have. You see the, uh, the under pier is being addressed by a, a nozzle on the hull of the ship that uh, monitored directly to that area, and they were able to, to knock down the bulk of the fire with the fireboat. 
great resource. Next slide. However, in a peer fire like this, it, uh, they get established and they end up in the creosote wood and they can be very, very difficult to find. And if you leave any piece of this fire, we've seen the tremendous peer fires over the years that we've had in the city of San Francisco. So this requires hard, hard work by the companies on scene. You can see them cutting up metal plates to remove metal plates to get to the fire underneath the plates in the deck. Um, and then you can see they actually had to remove a significant amount of material and operate hose lines underneath the pier, including off of the skiff of the fireboat. Um, so they deploy the smaller boat and they can drive around underneath an Indiana Jones style and look for the little last pieces of fire. Um, very, very effective operation run by Battalion uh, Chief Kuhn and it, it, it went tremendously. And they were there for a significant amount of time, did a ton of work, but you can see the smiles on their faces when they were done. It was a, a great win. So to highlight some other Bayside operations based on this Pier 28 fire, um, Chief Geradovac, who's in the audience today at Division III, uh, received a phone call from our rescue captain, Tadeo, who is our interface with uh, the Coast Guard. And he highlighted two uh, shipboard rescues that were gonna be need to be made later in the day. So the ships were going to arrive in the bay. One was gonna be at port, so they were gonna be at a pier, and the other was gonna be at Anchorage. So she came up quickly with a, a, a very strong plan that would have involved, if necessary, um, a, a technical operation to get two very severely injured um, workers from the first ship, which was called the Atlantic Glory. They had been working at sea a couple days prior to this and fallen from a 22-foot scaffolding and both had sustained significant injuries. So she, she detailed out a plan very early in the day. It was in place and when the ship arrived early, the companies went to work and it, it, was, it was a tremendously efficient operation and they both went to the hospital safely. The second incident was two sailors who were ill on a vessel um, and this required the fireboat to go out and retrieve them at Anchorage and also a highly successful operation. I thank Chief Dradovac for that approach and moving forward, I know now that we have a plan in place for both of these incidents. The last photo um, is from a drill walkthrough that I was able to attend with Chief Mao, Director of Training, and with uh, Chief Brannon out of Battalion 10 that they set up at Pier 80. And this was in response to the Newark fire that killed two Newark firefighters aboard a vessel almost exactly the same as you see in the picture. So these are ship carrying or uh, uh, auto carrying ships, and these are all Tesla EVs and you can see how close they are together and you can see the confines of the ship and obviously the firefighting systems on board a ship like this aren't designed to fight um, a lithium ion battery fire. Um, so we're in, the, we're in the planning stages for some pretty large drills with companies out there in the field and I wanna thank both Chief Mao and Chief Brandon for setting up this training opportunity for the people in the field. Next slide. So then we did have a greater alarm. So the, the, the greater alarm listed is uh, Box 7424, which occurred on the 27th out on 19th Avenue. Um, this, this is from midway through after the second alarm has been struck and you can see fire over the roof line. And I'll read from Chief Storty's um, operations report. So at 2042 hours, at 1242 19th Avenue with the cross of Lincoln and Irving, um, there was a second alarm fire. This fire did result in two injuries to firefighters. One was a laceration to the hand, which was treated on that day. 
Um, and the second was the result of a fall through the floor, which we'll address in a second. Um, he was uninjured at the time, but the next day did go seek treatment for soreness. The box was struck uh, at 2042, as I said, for an apartment on fire. 22 engine was first on scene, declared smoke choking, showing and then a working fire. Uh, Battalion 8 came quickly on scene and established 19th Avenue Command. As a quirk of the summer, uh, Battalion 8 on the day was a captain working as a battalion chief who had two days uh, previously worked as a battalion chief and he established command quickly, took control of the scene and uh, aggressively began to fight the fire. On arrival, there was heavy smoke coming from the open garage with residents all outside. 22 led a 150-foot ready line to the garage, while 40 supplied led a 200-foot ready line to the second floor. And then Battalion 7 arrived from the Richmond District and was assigned a fire attack. Well, 12 assisted fire attack, 14 laddered, um, Bravo 3 with an aerial went to the roof of the fire building. So they were trying to get an alternate access from the front of the building, so they threw an aerial to uh, the Bravo side. So as they pushed down the hall, they had initial success. They knocked down um, all visible fire, and they were, they were making headway. They reported water on the fire. It was at this point um, that they realized perhaps they weren't addressing the main body of fire. And this is a, this is a problem um, not unique to the city of San Francisco, but it's very, very common in our buildings. So this building had undergone significant renovation. Um, and had offices built and other spaces built in the rear of this building that were plywood and, and, and were heavier wall than normal. So the well-established fire in the rear of this building had burned through a portion of the room that they were fighting fire in, but you can see that that's basically the top of the chimney. So they could put out the, all the fire in that space, but it wasn't necessarily addressing the fire behind them. So after initial success, that fire did manage to burn into the second floor and start to burn into the Bravo walls, especially because it had an open area, a light well that it could access. At this point, a second alarm was struck. We had multiple floors of fire, and we had fire into the Bravo exposure. At this point, Chief Bill Storty is in command, and he strikes a second alarm, and he begins to reorganize the units to address fire in two buildings. Uh, the fire... The fire was addressed by deploying lines down through the Bravo garage and to the Charlie side. From the Charlie side, so the rear of the building, the previous Battalion 8 Fire uh, Command became fire attack on the Charlie side, or Charlie Division, and uh, was able to knock down all visible fire on that side. At that point, they, they had command of the space, um, and, and they were successful in putting out the fire. So great job by all companies on scene. Um, definitely a second alarm. And um, I, I want to commend all the actions of everybody who fought that fire this day. So here's some pictures. You can see the number of hose lines that are off of the first arriving or manifold engine in the lower picture. So basically depleted the bulk of the hose, laying out large lines to Ys and uh, the ready lines. And a great job. You can see the hallway that they were accessing and the number of doors and partitions. So basically, it had been chopped up into very, very small rooms. Some of these rooms um, had a lot of, of storage in them, et cetera. Um, I'll get to my next slide in a second. They were described as hoarding conditions, but um, basically just it was just a complex layout that, that kind of, and a lot of uh, 
material in the structure itself, not necessarily um, the furnishings, but there was the paneling and a lot of plywood in the space. So once it was established in the structure, it had a lot of fuel and created a lot of heat. So this is the glossary word. I'm, I'm sorry to see that Commissioner Feinstein isn't here, but um, a word we're hearing a lot on the radio and kind of in the, in the common usage is hoarding conditions. Um, so obviously this presents a, a tremendous challenge when you're fighting fire. It, it's an access challenge. It has a tremendous amount of fuel. It's a search challenge. Um, it's very easy to topple any piece of these hoarding um, piles as you're moving through a space. So the configuration of the space when you went one direction isn't necessarily the same when you come back. Um, a lot, a lot of challenges. Um, so it's, it, it feels like it's an increasing problem, but um, obviously we're gonna address training and, and try to overcome it. And then the final, this is not technically a July fire, right? This is the morning of August 1st, but the companies came on on the 31st, so I'll cheat a little bit. I'll present it next week, but I didn't want to let the month go by without pointing out the tremendous work that was done by the San Francisco Fire Department at, at this particular incident. Um, these pictures right here, these are arrival photos. This is what it looked like when they arrived at this fire. So this is open construction framing, some of it lightweight, some of it fairly heavy. So the vertical is fairly heavy. If it collapses, it's a tremendous hazard, but the horizontal is very light, um, so easy to, uh, for it to burn through and collapse. Uh, the initial arriving battalion chief, Dean Crispin, um, positioned the companies in the, the most effective manner possible and made it clear in his earliest communications what was going to happen at this fire, that this fire was a defensive fire, that this was a fire that had the potential to spread greatly, and that collapse of this building was, was imminent and, and, and was going to happen. It was a guarantee that there would be a collapse of this structure. So he positioned all companies um, and began to go to work. On the Oak Street side, in the immediate exposures, there were people who needed to be rescued and carried from the building, and all this went on with this fire and the potential for collapse overhead. The bravery demonstrated by the members at that time, um, it, it reflects the, the greatest tradition of the San Francisco Fire Department. Um, and we'll be revisiting what happened there later. Um, when Chief Storty arrived, again, this is Chief Storty's fire, he took command and saw that he had um, a geography problem, that Hickory Alley, a very tight alley with, with turn of the century buildings was in grave danger and he wasn't gonna be able to um, limit the size of it until they got a handle on the main body of fire at 300 Octavia. Um, so he, he set up the command structure, he put the rigs all in the correct place to deploy water and put out this fire, a tremendous win. Um, I, there were seven other buildings damaged. Next slide, please. Uh, and you can see that the, the main reason for the additional extension of the fire is the collapse itself. So when the walls came down, all the debris you see on the roof of all of these buildings was still on fire when it was thrown onto these roofs. So all those are small pieces of wood, no SB. They are not embers, these are brands. These are very, very large chunks of wood that will maintain heat for a, a decent amount of time when they were thrown and they were scattered all the way down the block. 
So this did start seven additional small fires that were contained because of the positioning of all the companies that all the chiefs had put in place. Couldn't be prouder. Chief couldn't be prouder. One more. So you can see even when the fire is over, it presents a significant overhead hazard. Uh, I'm sorry to say that that's still in place, but it should be being rectified today. So the scaffolding was still in place. There was still portions of the building that had not collapsed. Um, so that's an ongoing issue. And that's the end of the slide presentation. I will move to the Bureau of Fire Prevention Investigation. Um, from prevention, there were uh, many, many promotions this month and many changes uh, in, his, in his internal staff. Um, but I, I believe the fire marshal's got everybody where they need to be. And moving forward, we're going to get all the efficiency and, and great work out of the Bureau of Fire Prevention that we expect. Um, so if you're troubled by any of the numbers in his report, just know that that's the transition from the last fiscal year and with all the moves, and he's going to be well ahead of schedule by next time. Uh, we did attend an SFMTA meeting uh, with the chief and with the directors of uh, MTA, and I, I think we're in a good place moving forward. The fire marshal has been the face of both our autonomous vehicle reporting at, at the level of uh, captains in his bureau, and then he's also been the main face of our streetscape changes. Um, and so hopefully he can reduce his bandwidth on that, and he's begun work on um, addressing our lithium-ion battery problem, which is lurking and coming over the horizon. Uh, the arson unit, because we did talk about the arson unit a moment ago, has 19 structure fires still under investigation, 25 vehicles, 21 outside fires under investigation in July. The airport division um, continues to make great strides. They are conducting a class in um, uh, airport rescue firefighting to try and uh, build out their pool of new recruits, um, and they don't anticipate having to uh, draft our younger members down to the airport as been the practice in the past, that they, they have an established, happy workforce who um, is proud to be at the airport, and uh, I, I commend all the chiefs, particularly Chief Darcy, for their work down there. We included the SFO, SFFD, SFO uh, Airport Nuggets newsletter, and um, I'm always very, very jealous of people when they come up with great naming conventions. And the third page is a red cap recap. And that one will keep me up at night. That is a tremendously named article. On to the Division of Training with Chief Mao. She has uh, a couple of academies in progress right now. So we have the 132nd Recruit Academy. And I'm happy to report that we did lose two early to injury. Um, but those so far have been the only two. Um, and then the H3 Level 2 Academy, um, which started with five. Um, unfortunately, lost one early, but I, I hear they're doing, they're great, and they will be an asset to the department moving forward. Um, and then our in-service training division is completing uh, an in-service live fire training module. Um, and I look forward to uh, a report from them. And we continued our helicopter uh, training work uh, yesterday with uh, the CHP. Chief Mao is also in the process of securing uh, some agreements with real estate and with uh, public or uh, with housing and urban development for uh, buildings that are going to be demolished. Um, and 
once we have those agreements in place, it'll be a tremendous training opportunity for our, uh, for our staff. Um, everybody loves the opportunity to train in real buildings, so I look forward to a report on that in the near future. We did also have a meeting with uh, the leadership and overhead of the Neighborhood Emergency Response Team and kind of uh, tried to find a way to um, increase uh, participation by our agency and also to kind of give them the tools for a, a coordinated increase in their um, train their internal training so that um, that we can really increase the number of NERT uh, volunteers trained in the future. The reserves make up the end of this report and um, we're looking forward to a graduation of new fire reserves uh, next week um, and I want to report the, the number of fire reserves that showed up at the third alarm last night at 8th Avenue was overwhelming. They, they are very professional um, and as much work as we can uh, put them to and as much learning as they can get at any fire incident they show up to, uh, uh, I think it's a tremendous win for the fire department and the city overall. And that ends my report. All right, thank you very much to Lunthrop. Madam Secretary, is there any member of the public that wishes to give public comment on Chief Lunthrop's report? There is nobody approaching the podium and nobody on the public comment line. All right, public comment is closed. Commissioners, any questions for uh, PD2 at this point? I'll go real quick. Uh, Vice President thanks, Morgan. Thanks for your uh, report, Chief Lunthrop. Um, back to the Pier 28, uh, you, you spoke of the circulator. Does that pump water from the bay? How does that work? So it uses whatever water is being used by the engine. And in this case, they did have a hydrant, and they, they pumped from the hydrant. Um, oh, okay. This is a circumstance where they would have been in a position where they could have draft, drafted bay water, and then uh -huh. they would have been able to apply bay water. Oh, yeah. okay. We have the capability to do both. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Do we know how that fire started? The pier? No? Under investigation. Uh, oh, actually, yeah, under investigation. Yeah. It wasn't that big of a fire. It it was bigger than it appeared on initial, but yeah, uh, they saved they saved the property. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and I just want to uh, commend uh, Chief uh, uh, Storty for doing and all the other firefighters that that worked on the 19 Ab to put that fire out and the uh, that horrible fire on Octavia and Oak Street. <laughs> like that looked really bad, you know. Uh, I haven't been over there, but uh, was that a construction site? It was a construction it was, site. Yeah. Okay, I haven't, I haven't been over there. I heard they got the streets blocked off. It's still blocked, yeah. Now the neighbors are complaining about the cleanup, so we'll hear about that more. But no, that was a great job. I uh, want to commend all the firefighters and the, the uh, companies that worked on the, those fires. And uh, you guys are doing an excellent job. And I, I think that's all the questions I have for now. And uh, thanks for your report. Thanks, sir. Thank you very if much. I may, if I may just say about the cleanup over at Oak and Octavia, uh, uh, it is, <clears throat> it was turned back over to the owner uh, um, who's been constructing that building uh, to take the uh, scaffolding and everything else down that, that was causing a problem. And they started and then they stopped in the middle. And that's why the street is still closed. And so DBI has... Um, uh, issued an emergency order to them to get it done within 48 hours. So 
uh, to get that road back open. So it's not because of any city agency, it's because of the uh, ownership of that space. Right. They're dragging their feet, huh? All right, thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for your report, the, thank you. Thank you, Vice President Morgan. Commissioner Frazier, did you have a question? Yeah, I have a comment. Thank you, Chief Lettrup. I felt like applauding at the end of your report. So, such good work on everyone's behalf. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I guess, you know, I just really appreciate hearing some of the details of these large fires, and I know there's other fires constantly, but the two words that I'm going to be going away with today are lithium-ion batteries and hoarding, and something I think we're going to have to make a whole different set of preparations for as a community. And if there's anything we can do, please, please let us know, because this is, those are serious, dangerous conditions. And we don't hear much about hoarding in terms of public service announcements, but it might be a good thing to raise some awareness with, as that, with that as well. Anyway, thank you so much. Great report. Thank you, Thank you very much, Commissioner Fraser. Commissioner Collins, did you have a question or comment at this point? Thank you very much. I have just a couple of questions. Uh, one comment um, to, to the fire marshal, maybe perhaps you can answer this as well, but uh, in the report, and I thank you for the information about the transition, uh, page 13, 14, fire marshal, uh, there's lots of uh, description of uh, permits, uh, annual permits, building business, high, high rise, port, district, port property. My question is that are all of these permits, inspections, uh, coordinated and administrated out of the fire marshal's office at headquarters, or is that a combination of permit inspections with our members that are at the, the business, the, the new um, permit bureau off of Van Ness. So my reference is page 13, 14, and it just identifies these various inspections. Um, and I was curious as to, again, if this came out of uh, coordination of headquarters or is that part of uh, responsibility of the members in our department out of the permit bureau down in Van Ness? Thank you for the question, uh, President Cajo, Vice President Morgan, Commissioners Collins and Frazier, Chief. Uh, what you're seeing here is these are annual permits. These are what we call operational permits. It's in the fire code. Regulated activities could be high pile storage, could be use of propane, could be public assemblies. Um, so the, the Bureau has, uh, what is it, uh, 3,400, approximately 3,500 permits they issue throughout the city. And what, why, what you see them in different sections is, is because we parse them out to different sections within our division. So the port maybe has 100 of them. Uh, we send some over to the district office who, while they're out there in their district, they can do uh, public assemblies and our permit section does other ones. So it is coordinated through our permit section, but they, we all kind of pitch in to get these done. Uh, we try to uh, go to all of these once a year to ensure that they're um, abiding by the permit conditions. Exits are clear, it's being stored properly. Um, that's, that's what we do out there. Okay, so uh, Fire Marshal, just to clarify, are there members of our permit uh, team that are both at the port and are at uh, the permit bureau on Venice? So we 
they're not, there won't be at both places. Um, we have people assigned to the port who take care of everything. It's like the airport that's self-contained. So we have members at the port who will do permits, who will also do construction inspections, who are separate. So they are stationed over at Pier 1, and they take care of everything on the waterfront. So we don't get, uh, you said, 49 South Venice involved with port properties or airport properties. We leave that to the divisions there. So they are, they do the same work, but they are separate. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Thank you very much, Fire Marshal. And uh, my other comment, and it doesn't require um, Chief Ma to come up here, but in her report on the 27th, 28th, um, there's a, a calendar in terms of recruitment training by the week. It says week two and week three. And it gives a description of what the various members learn. And I just wanted to comment that I, I appreciate it as a commissioner because uh, I'm not quite sure if I was able to see something that was so detailed out in terms of information. And uh, I think it helps the commission a great deal to, to see that as well as uh, the photos that are supplied. And thank you, Chief Lovendorf, for your mentioning of fire reserves and uh, the resources of that as well. Uh, that's all I have at this particular point. Thank you very, very much, Chief Lemthrop. Madam Secretary, I'm going to move to um, CD4's report, report from uh, EMS and Community Paramedicine, Deputy Chief Sandra Tong. Welcome, Chief Tong. Uh, good morning, President Nakajo, Vice President Morgan, Commissioners Fraser Collins, Chief Nicholson, Command Staff, and uh, Maureen, good morning. Uh, Sandy Tong, Deputy Chief of EMS and Community Paramedicine. This is my report for July. Uh, so this is a relatively brief report uh, from EMS today. Uh, Chief Tangren Lee is on vacation. Uh, but the highlights were for the EMS division, we averaged about the same number of calls, 354 from uh, what we had in the last month of June. Uh, the market share rose to 80%, however, so that's a bit of an increase that we've been kind of striving for. We've been um, hovering at about 78% uh, for the last few months, and this is the division between the private ambulance dispatches to 911 calls and fire department uh, ambulances to calls. And so we're at the 80% uh, minimum uh, market share that we would like to be at. So we'll see how that continues or, or doesn't. Uh, EMS training conducted uh, one of our three-week um, EMS Advancement Academies. That's a, considered a bump-up academy where we have our EMTs who um, go through a program and then are able to advance to paramedic. We added seven new uh, paramedics to the EM, um, EMS division this uh, last uh, training course, and we have another one that's starting in, um, on Monday, actually. Uh, also, as Chief Leftrop um, also mentioned, on July the 10th, we started another uh, paramedic academy. We started with five. One um, decided to drop out after the um, first day, decided that he wasn't prepared. And so we have four that are continuing to be successful. So uh, those will hopefully all graduate on September the 8th. And then also on July 19th, we um, started another process for uh, H3 hirings. Uh, this was an entrance exam that we um, conducted. I think we ended up with another 88 um, new applicants or candidates, potential candidates, uh, for our next uh, hiring of EMTs and paramedics. Uh, for community paramedicine with uh, Chief Simon Pang, uh, these are some of the highlights that we had. Uh, Chief April Sloan, she's our um, section chief of uh, CP operations. She led a session uh, that was entitled 
uh, utilizing community paramedics in an interagency response to street conditions. This is a conference that's been going on for um, about 23 years. It was a virtual conference this time. Um, it just it was it typically is uh, a conference that intersects law enforcement and mental uh, illness, and so they bring together subject matter experts uh, to discuss how we better inform and educate other practitioners um, on best practices. Uh, as we've mentioned in the past, we um, have been uh, pursuing a joint uh, National Science Foundation grant uh, with the uh, San Jose State University researchers, and that looks like um, it has been funded. So uh, this is going to explore further um, and quantify the effects of moral injury, uh, moral hazard um, on our members and clients. And so we're looking forward to being able to use that research to better um, develop interventions and how to integrate more equity into our work as well as training. Uh, this will be starting in September, and it'll be a one-year project, um, and we'll be able to give you updates as that goes along. Also, uh, our California state regulations now requires that all of our community paramedics um, hold a certification from the International Board of Specialized Certifications, uh, and this is in uh, community paramedicine. Uh, so we had uh, a number of folks take the exam yesterday, uh, today, and I believe tomorrow. Uh, Chief Pang and uh, Chief Sloan were uh, successful in their uh, exam yesterday, so they are now um, certified um, officially. All of our community paramedics will need to go through this, and um, we anticipate um, all of, getting all of them through. They have until November the 1st when this will be a requirement for all of our community paramedics to work. And then finally, we also uh, welcome Eugene C. He is our new data and policy analyst. We've been anxiously awaiting his arrival. Uh, he's a San Francisco native, and he brings a lot of experience already from his work with the San Francisco Health Plan and Alameda Alliance for um, Health. We really anticipate a lot of work uh, from him. We have a lot of projects that not only um, fall within CP, um, but also uh, we want to be able to utilize him for um, much of our EMS uh, new data as well. Wanted to just highlight uh, this I don't think is in your report, but highlight um, one of the uh, case managing um, work that our EMS6 providers um, do. So one, we had a 39-year-old male patient with alcohol use disorder um, who's been a frequent 911 user since 2020 uh, with 109 calls um, to 911 since then. In 2023 so far, there are 73 activations for 911. So he's been clearly um, ramping up his use of 911. And then in the month of June, there are 36 911 activations. Uh, so at this point, um, EMS 6 has been, you know, reaching out to him. They engaged him 24 times out of those 36 intervention or activations um, just in the month of June. So there was a very concentrated effort to try and get him into a detox program. Um, we were unsuccessful, however, and so uh, we finally were able to um, really pursue um, getting him into the managed alcohol program, um, which is where he is now. Um, the managed alcohol program is designed for uh, patient, uh, individuals who have reportedly tried and failed uh, detox programs. And so they're able to monitor, they live there, they monitor prevent withdrawal symptoms by providing them with sort of the standard drink equivalent based on their vital signs. That just keeps them in a, a, a safe place um, and keeping them out of um, you know, more significant medical health issues. 
Uh, so they're um, provided shelter there as long as they are um, participating in the program. And so since he's been there in, um, in the month of July, he's only had three 911 activations. And so um, that ends up being a 92% um, percent decrease in utilization of the 911 system. And really, all of this is um, the result of our advocacy, the EMS's six our, um, community paramedics, um, trying to just really work with this individual, getting them um, into the right place. So just kudos to um, our staff there with the EMS 6 division. And then just some additional data that you see in your report for SORT uh, and SCRT. Uh, in the month of uh, July, we had uh, four additional Suboxone starts from both the SORT uh, members and our ambulance paramedics who are now able to do that. Um, and then also in terms of um, our street crisis response team, the numbers um, of connection or, or the numbers of calls for service rose slightly from June, um, and then we had about average of one uh, 5150 um, activation um, or application uh, for uh, for for the month of uh, July. And that's averaging, th that was 32, averaging about one, one per day. And that's my report. All right, thank you very much, Chief Tong. Madam Secretary, is there any member of the public that wishes to give public comment? There is CD nobody four. approaching the podium and nobody on the public call-in call line. All right, public comment is closed. Um, commissioners, any questions or comments for CD4? Yeah, go ahead. I'll go. I'll be real quick. Yeah. Vice President Morgan. Yeah. Thanks for your uh, report, Chief Tong. And I, I just want to say congratulations on the grant you guys got from San Jose State. San Jose State, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The National Science Foundation. I'm sure that'll benefit the department, the community uh, paramedicine uh, department. And and thanks for a great report. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank you very much, Vice President Morgan, Commissioner Frazier. Thank you, Chief Tong. Great report. It's very, very interesting. Um, and congratulations on hiring your new data uh, analyst. I think that's going to be terrific. There's a lot of eyes that will want to see that data going mm -hmm. forward. And, you know, I, I hope there's a way to broadly present the data at some point when there's something really is completed to your satisfaction. There are many, many people who are going to want to see it. Anyway, great job. It's amazing how many calls happen and the number of daily calls for one person is quite incredible. But yeah. there they go over and over and over. So anyway, thank you. Always great to hear you. Thank you very much, Commissioner Frazier. Commissioner Collins. So to piggyback on that, I'm sure you're thrilled that you've got somebody to actually focus on the data. And I'm going to be very curious about the time, energy, and money that go to one person abusing the system versus everything else you need to accomplish with the resources at hand, because that's a pretty strong argument. Yes. And I'm only assuming that that's something the data person will help focus on. Is that, is that correct? Sure. Yes. Great. Thank Good you. report. Thanks. Thank you very much, Commissioner Collins. Uh, at this point, thank you very much, Chief Tom, for your comprehensive report. Madam Secretary. Item five, Commission President's Report and Update. Report and update from Fire Commission President Stephen Nakajo. Thank you very much, uh, 
Madam Secretary, Commissioners, I just wanted to share with you an update in terms of uh, my activity as president. Uh, I recently had the Commission Secretary do a poll on the rest of the commissioners in terms of the remaining five months, five meetings that are left, uh, particularly meaning that uh, next meeting, August 23rd, uh, we have scheduled a closed session for briefing to continue in terms of our appeals process that's in front of us. Um, I plan to bring a vote on September the 13th uh, at that particular commission meeting so that you can be aware of that and adjust your calendars to that. The date of September the 13th is when I know that we will have a full commission. Uh, and then as we proceed, uh, the next meetings of the 27th of September are going into October the 12th. October the 12th, I have preliminarily scheduled our last presentation. A former member of our department, Attica Bowen, uh, in terms of the ENT program uh, that we have. Uh, there's uh, an update situation of uh, sharing that uh, we're looking at. Other than that, then traditionally we fall into two meetings, meaning one in November, November the 8th, and one in December, December the 13th. So I just wanted everyone to be aware of the following scheduling with the briefing next commission meeting, the 23rd, the vote um, that I'm targeting on September the 13th. Uh, as we move forward. Uh, the other points of information is that uh, myself and Commissioner Fraser are going to be meeting with uh, CD3 and Chief Buford in terms of the DEI diversity, equity, and inclusion program to get an update in terms of that, but also to try to get the Commission involved uh, in terms of what we can do with that as well. And as a point of information, the Commissioners, two of us, We'll be uh, touring the airport on August the 16th, and we're looking forward to that as well. And um, the last piece of information is that uh, before my term expires in January, uh, as we go into the election, I do want to reach out one more time uh, to GOTC in terms of an internal meeting if we can pull that off. But I wanted to share that with you, Commissioners, so that you can have that within your calendars. And at that point, that concludes my update. Madam Secretary, hold on. Is that okay? Item six. Oh, sorry. I just said thank you. Oh, item six, adjournment. Okay. Uh, I'd like to adjourn this uh, meeting in terms of uh, the accident that occurred with the members of uh, Cal Fire down in Los Angeles with two helicopters that crashed. Uh, we do offer prayers and condolences in terms of that. This meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much.